0: Chris and Jonna here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. This is
1: episode number 70.
0: Yes, and on today's episode, Jonna, who did we have the pleasure of interviewing?
1: We got to interview gentle parenting coach Megan Jackson.
0: Yeah, so Megan owns Joyful Mud Puddles where she runs a podcast, a blog, and is very active on social media in addition to her own coaching program.
1: And she has three little people herself. So she, uh, I would say, knows what she's doing.
0: Yeah, she definitely does. And on this episode, guys, you'll hear a lot of live coaching with our particular situation. And I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you say we experienced a transformation on this episode?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that if you're listening close enough, you will hear the actual like aha moments or the light bulbs that went off in our heads. And honestly, I got a little bit emotional because she helped me. No, you don't say. Shut up, Chris. (laughs) She helped me actually break some limiting beliefs that I have in my parenting. Because, as we all know, being a mom, being a dad, being a parent is hard and we beat ourselves up. But um, I I really feel like the advice she's given us has already transformed some of the ways that we
0: parent. Absolutely. So, hey guys, excited for you to listen to this interview. And uh, without further ado,
1: here's Megan Jackson.
0: Megan Jackson, welcome to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast.
2: Thank you so well, much, Megan. For <laughs>
1: yeah definitely so we are excited to have you today actually I want to tell how I came across you you actually posted in a group that we're both in right for for fellow podcasters Megan's a podcaster also and the the irony in it is you talk about joyful parenting and gentle parenting and just that day I had shared something um, it was actually a prayer for a midnight mom devotional I don't know if you are familiar with her but it was about reclaiming your joy and how sometimes that's hard in parenting and I was like oh my Oh my gosh. Just, I don't, I'm don't. i a total science person. Chris makes fun of me, but science, yes. everything, everything is like, is a it's a sign. <laughs> but I didn't even know that until I, but I had already reached out to you before I knew about the joy part. So Megan, you're a gentle parenting coach. And I really, that's going to be the kind of the, the big topic we're going to talk about today. I'm sure we'll talk about a lot, but um, I first just want you to tell our listener what the heck a gentle parenting coach is, because I'm sure there's some different perceptions of that.
2: Yeah. Gentle parenting goes by many names and there's like slight differences if you're really into it. Cause a lot of people think of peaceful parenting or positive parenting, that kind of thing. And one thing it is not, it is not permissive. It's not just let your kids do whatever you want. You're not being a pushover. You can set loving limits and be kind, but firm but gentle parenting is more on the respectful wavelength. We're focusing on connection, problem solving, and working together, treating your children more like humans and and, and a relationship rather than parenting down over them. If that makes sense.
0: So Megan, I love that. (laughs) I'm curious to know, how many kids do you have?
2: I have three boys. They're 12, 10, and five.
0: Gotcha. So this may be perfect. So I know if you have a 12, 10 and a five-year-old, you probably on a daily basis uh, have to practice this, right?
2: All day, all the time.
0: <laughs> all day, all the time, right? So could you, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Could you give me and John an example and our listeners of, of maybe one of your most recent um, ways of showing gentle parenting?
2: Yes, because it happened today, so a lot of that goes into the problem-solving side of things, you know, as parents, we set limits, we know what we want, and we say, okay, this is how it's going to be, and I have a choice when my child doesn't do what I want. I can either enforce it and, you know, then start disciplining and punishing, or I can say, take a step back and say, okay, what's the bigger picture? Why didn't they? And what are we going to do about it? So I had said, my youngest has been struggling a little with too much dairy, too much sugar that his body really can't handle. And he woke up asking for hot chocolate. <laughs> and, and then it was juice. And pancakes. <laughs> And I'd said no, that you can't handle that. And he came back and said, Oh, I said, Okay, look, I'll compromise. You can have pancakes or juice, but I really don't think you should have both. And then he says, what if I have one pancake and a small juice?
0: Oh, he's so much like our oldest. Oh my gosh, it sounds like our
1: five-year-old to a T. Yeah,
2: so, you know, I have my choice. I can power over him and say, no, this is what I said, you have to do what I say. Or I can think and say, you know, that was a reasonably well-thought-out compromise. And we went with that, but then later, right after he'd finished, of course he asked for more because he's five and it was delicious. And that's when I said, we had an agreement. I love you, but no, this is what we agreed on. We're going to hold to that. Let's go do something else. Or what else can I get you to eat? So I still held my limits, but I'm willing to work with my kids.
1: Okay. I love that. And that's giving me thoughts because that literally does sound like our five-year-old. Now our five-year-old is our oldest, but she is definitely not one to just hear no and then not come back with some kind of a negotiation. So I like that you, I don't know, I like that you allowed the compromise because I think a lot of us were raised with, you know, no, the answer is no, because I said so, because I'm the parent and that's why. And there has been something about that to me for a while now that has not felt right.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that the more I am trying to study parenting and, and, and just trying to improve my parenting, I have realized one of, one of the biggest points that I heard you make, even on a recent podcast I listened to of yours, Megan, was, was that we are trying so hard to fix our kids' behavior when we're not focusing on how we're handling them and how truthfully like they, they have very similar needs as kids as we do as adults, just in a different way.
2: Yeah, we all basically as humans have these core basic needs and when our needs are either met or unmet, that's going to give rise to whatever feelings and our feelings then show in actions and little kids and some adults too, don't know what behavior is appropriate. And so they're just acting on their feelings and then that's, but we're all just human. And we forget about that sometimes when we look at kids, we just think of them as these empty vessels or sponges and we're supposed to fill them up.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. gosh. That, that's good. That is pretty good. So I'm going to steal some, I'm going to steal some gentle parenting coaching from you right now. Is that okay? <laughs> Go for it. All right. So right before this podcast, I, we, we have a little, a little second office that we made downstairs and our girls had ripped up some paper shreds all over, all over the office. And of course, kids love to well, create wait, let the me, mess, sorry, but let they me, don't want
1: to. Let me just say, it's actually our homeschooling room too, okay. though, so they know their stuff's in there. Okay. We just right. made it though, so it's
0: yeah. So it's kind of confusing to them. But anyway, so so the point is, we all know if we have kids, kids love to make the mess, but not necessarily clean it up. So I'm trying to get them to clean the mess up, and you know, it's just very lackadaisical, really not feeling like it, kind of moping along. Uh, and I realized that they were so unwilling to clean up the mess that my initial reaction maybe wasn't super gentle. My initial reaction was, "Well, look, if you don't clean this up, then you guys can't come in here anymore." Uh, and I started to get like a little bit upset. But then I knew I was going to be on this podcast in just a few <laughs> minutes, so I was like, "Hmm, how could I handle this a little better?" So, how would you? handle a situation like that, where you're trying to get your kid to clean up a mess and they're really not into it, but you know, morally, they should understand, look, you make a mess, you clean it up. uh, But you also don't want to enforce like I'm powerful. You can no longer come in this room anymore. I don't know. What do you think?
2: That is a great question. And it comes up often, the, the whole cleaning up toys. And again, it really depends on the age. So for younger kids, I would bring in some playfulness and, really help ease the tension. So make it more of a game or fun and say, hey, let's try you know, play basketball and throw the paper into the garbage can. Or, you know, let's be snowblowers and suck up all the paper bits. And so add some of that joking playfulness. A lot of hugs and giggles make it more fun to clean up. But Mm -hmm. as they do get older, having those conversations around, we respecting the space is appropriate and it's okay to do that. But you, like you said, you have to check your tone. So that's more of a, Hey, you know, I've noticed that this room's always a mess. Let's have a family meeting. That's where that would take place. Um, And again, if they're older, have problem solving. Wow. The room's a mess. And I have a podcast right now. How can we work together to clean this up? And they might come up with a fun idea on their own. And if they don't, you can suggest some ways. So it's okay to, like you had, to, to tell them why they need to clean up. But, yeah, definitely you don't want to come at it it's in an angry kind of way.
1: I think that's important because I feel like as a parent – so ours are five, three, two, and then three months. So all of ours are little. And I feel this pressure sometimes like when they do things they're not supposed to do. Like I'm supposed to make them good human beings right now and like I've got to do it all now, teach them everything now. And that kind of – just that little sentence you said a few minutes ago was like almost like a I could – take that uh, pressure off of my shoulders and remind myself that I've got lots of years still with them to teach them the important things at the appropriate times because I know I'll get aggravated with them. I'm like, why don't you understand that you have to clean up the mess you made? I don't understand. But in the same breath, I have a question for the listener who's like, okay, I also have a lot of kids. Actually, let's be real. It's me. I have a question for me. <laughs> I... I, I want to be playful and do those things, but I also maybe have a crying, hungry baby or I got to switch over dinner or whatever. And the second that I'm not standing there with them, they take advantage of that. And, you know, they'll go and just forget. I'm using air quotes. They'll forget that the mess is there. Or maybe they really do forget. And I just don't realize their ages.
2: (laughs) And that's where reality sets in. These are all great philosophical nice to say that you're going to be playful, but then reality hits and you have a screaming baby and dinner's burning and, and you're human. And that's where your whole podcast comes in. you got to work on you. What can you handle in the moment? What is the major priority right now? Handle that, take a deep breath. So they made a mess. They're kids. They're going to forget, go back to it in a minute, deal with the screaming baby, turn off the dinner then go back and, and work on it then because that's part of like, we got to be real here, you can't have magically a two year old and a five year old cleaning up a mess while you're out dealing with something. So for me, oh, yeah. personally, in my parent, in my parent coaching, I'm a little more on the realistic side, <laughs> throwing in a lot of
1: philosophy. No, that's helpful because I do think that I've probably been scarred from some things I see on different forms of social media with parenting magic and yeah, well if you just do this and your kids will do that and you know you're a screw up if you can't balance it all and do it all perfectly and look good while doing it and you know what I mean? Like I I think that uh it's just it's just hard.
0: It is hard. Being it, a is, mom's hard. it is it is well, being, being a parent, a parent in general hard. is really hard, yes. right? Interesting that you kind of brought up the so the title of our podcast grow yourself grow your marriage Well me and Johnna came into this like okay look we've we've chatted about this recently in recording episodes and we've just said, look our weakest point right now it's not our marriage it is it is parenting as a unit like we are a team, but we both carry a lot of stress and there are a lot of things happening and the kids are young and irrational and all those things and we have very different different methods of parenting and different thresholds if you will so so when we talk about growing ourselves to grow our parenting, gosh, can can you unpack that a bit?
2: Well, the nice thing is that it's so obvious, but we forget about it. Parenting is all about the parent. And it's the same in any relationship. You can't control another person. You can't change another person. You can only change yourself and bring in what you can to that relationship and remembering that the It's a parent-child relationship, not just parenting as in disciplining another person. So you can have all these great techniques and strategies, but it's like you're climbing an uphill battle when you're trying to implement them without the relationship piece. And that's where you really need to focus on that. Um, That side of the parent-child relationship, that's really important, but what you are bringing to it is going to make the biggest difference. So you need to work on yourself first. And that might even be reparenting yourself while still parenting because there's no pause button in life. We don't get to hit pause, fix yourself, and then keep going. But you can reparent yourself if you don't love, if you want to parent in a different way than you were raised, it is possible. But you've got to put in that effort and want to do the work.
0: (sighs) That's good. It's making me a little <laughs> bit
1: emotional, and actually, this is exciting. Another sign because I just told him I heard another podcast that talked about reparenting, and I had never heard of that topic before. And it's something I'd really like to dive a little bit more into. So, can you real just like in the simplest terms tell us? Is it literally just undoing the the maybe toxic or negative things you learned in your childhood? Is that yeah? Kind of- a lot
2: of it is. It's really internal mindset work it's like you've got to imagine your little inner child and speak to them the way you wish you had been spoken to and the way you want to speak to your child you got to talk to yourself that way too there's no sense beating yourself up shaming yourself blaming yourself and then trying to be all kind and gentle to your little child in front of you you really have to treat yourself in that same way And it's all in your mindset and what you're telling yourself. So we all have these, these, what we believe about ourselves, And it's what you believe about yourself as a parent and a mom and a wife and, you know, whatever that is. And a lot of those are lies. They're limiting beliefs that we all have them around money and finances, whatever it is. So whatever you believed as yourself about you as a kid and what you think about parenting, write it down and look at it objectively and like, is this true? Is that really helping me grow? Because chances are there's a lot of things that are holding you back and you could look, it's really a lot better if you can write a new list about who you really want to be, where do you want, what's your ideal, what are you going for? And cancel out all those lies you've been telling yourself. And you can use quotes. You can use scripture verses. Whatever it is that you can find to counteract. And then start telling yourself these truths. It's like those positive affirmations and everything. They really do work. It's reprogramming your brain. Telling yourself new truths. And talking to yourself a lot.
1: That's good. That's good. I love it. It's all
0: very good. Yes. Um,
1: Okay. So I feel like I want to take notes on (laughs) – I'm like sitting here thinking like how can – I'm going to have to like come back to this because I need to write this down right Right. now because I definitely think that's an exercise that would benefit a lot of us because like I said earlier in the episode there, I really believe the older generation like our parents' age just had this mindset of – I'm the parent because I said so. It's more about, um, you know, obedience, not more, not everybody more obedience than connection. But I do feel like for a lot of parents, that's how it was because that's how they were raised. So uh, I think that's such a valuable exercise.
0: I think it comes down to like us looking at ourselves and when our kids aren't obedient, at least for me, when the kids aren't obedient, I take that personally. Mm -hmm. It's almost like it's almost like a little bit of narcissism comes out in me because I'm just like, ooh. Don't not listen to me, you know. Um, I'm the king of the castle type of thing, no. right? Oh
1: gosh, exactly.
0: Yeah. And I think that, like you said in the beginning, Megan, like I think it's very important that we show our kids, like yes, there is there is a level of security and confidence that they have in us as their leaders uh, and their caretakers. But ultimately, yeah, we want to expand and kind of and kind of I don't know, give a little too, right? And and that's been hard for me.
1: Can you speak to that, Megan, as a parenting, as a gentle parenting coach, the whole idea of obedience and it being, you know, I think you said it in one of your episodes, it being more about us and our ego or our own, like, we feel like we're failing as a parent if our kids disobey.
2: Yeah. And you hit it on, like, when you were just saying it's when you think about how you feel when they disobey, it's like a trigger And all those triggers bring up probably past memories. How did you feel as a kid when you weren't listened to? And now you're trying to get that control over someone else who's a little weaker, you know, because you weren't maybe listened to as a child. And now you're like, wait a second. Now you have to listen to me because I'm bigger and now I can be heard. So all parenting set up triggers. And it's what you do with those triggers that makes a big difference. Are you going to just keep going that way or are you willing to work on yourself and explore that trigger a little more, dig deeper and find out why and be willing to change and do something about it? Because obedience, (sighs) there's a big difference between obedience and, and forced compliance because And and we've changed the definitions of discipline and obedience from really what they were originally meant to be when they made that word. Because discipline now just means punishment where it shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And obedience means blindly doing what you're told. That's, you know, that is obedience, but that's not really what we're going for. You don't have the heart of your child when they're just doing what they're doing out of fear or because they feel they have to. You've lost their heart. And that's really what we want to go for when we're talking about more of winning cooperation, because then that's mutually, okay, I'm doing this out of love. I'm doing this because I want to. And I know you know what's best for me.
1: Mm, that's that's so good. I'm actually reading a book right now called Triggers. I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar. It's about uh, biblical parenting. Yeah. Do you? I love it. It's yeah, I'm reading it. <laughs>
0: Yes, oh, awesome.
1: yes. I just started it because we literally probably two weeks ago were like we felt like God was saying, "Hey, we need you fo- not we. I need you to focus on your family right now. You guys aren't happy. Like you're in this cycle of parenting that's just not it's just not working. Like I'm trying different things. He's trying different things, but it's not working in the sense of. Um, so that just reminded me. Our five year old, she is demanding attention, and you just struck something with me because I'm realizing it's because she's not listened to um, as much, at least as much as she would like to be, because we have been so stressed and so busy. She's got three younger siblings. And so we put her off a lot. And so I feel this sense of, um, I feel sad. I feel like I see the anger that she's showing her sisters right now in the triggers that I've had from not being listened to and I'm passing it down. So this is actually one of my questions on the list is if we already are at that point where maybe I don't want to say damage, but I don't know how else to describe it. The damage is done. Um, is there a way to undo that and, and kind of, cause like I try to get down in her face and gently talk to her and I try to make separate time for her and stuff. And I just feel like it never is enough, and then I feel triggered and frustrated because what I'm doing isn't working. Does that make sense?
2: Yes, it totally makes sense. The thing you have to remember, though, is the difference between gentle parenting and peaceful parenting versus traditional parenting is that those have the quick fix the timeout, the spanking, the whatever you're doing, the rewards that's a quick fix, that's the band aid solution. So you get that immediate reaction that we are all craving, but you're building up this long-term sort of damage, right? That now you're having these adults that need reparenting. Whereas if you're working on gentle parenting, its it feels slower, it feels harder, but you're working on that long-term goal the whole time so that as time goes on, it should, it will change and it will always be a bit hard, but it should get a bit better because you're focusing on your end goals. So you, you haven't done permanent damage. Um, it just takes consistency and time and realizing, and a lot of empathy for both of you because she is needing that attention. Their behavior always is communication and they're telling you something and parents have to be detectives, trying to find out what was the reason that they were trying to do this. And you did a great job of figuring out why was she acting like this? Well, because we're busy and we're stressed. And now you can work on steps to change that. You just have to be consistent with it.
0: Yeah, some of the steps we've taken lately is Actually, it was funny. The other day, we had planned on recording a podcast, and we came in the office, and the girls were like, okay, we're going to be out here while you guys record a podcast. They've gotten good at that. And we were about to get behind the mic, and I was like, you know what? No. I was like, we just need to sit, and we need to evaluate where we're at. And we began to evaluate kind of where we were at in our parenting and what we wanted to change. And I feel like something that we've been doing the past just two or three days uh, is because we have so many kids... (laughs) it has been really important for us to make intentional individual time for them. So so we agree. We feel like a lot of the behavior issues and stuff and all of, the, all of the outlashes come from not getting enough attention. And so what we've been trying to do is like, you know, carve out some time for our oldest Lola to come down and like, you know, just have a little almond milk with us while we're having our coffee and like spend time with her and just a few minutes, right? And I'll do a little bit of school with her in the morning and then – the others in the afternoon just kind of take some time away uh, and hopefully we're going to keep this up. Obviously, whenever something's new, it's exciting and whatever and hopefully the commitment won't wear off.
2: Yeah, that filling up their cup is huge because then when you're and filling it before you have to be busy is great because then they're full and they can you know, their, their cup is overflowing. They've had that special time. So then they're more willing to be okay with you going off and doing other things rather than having them annoy you, knock on the door, try to get your attention and then fixing it afterwards.
0: Oh, been she's there. like We've been a fly there. on yeah, the wall our home. I think
2: you've been watching what's going on over here. That's
0: wild. Yeah. Well, so I have a quick question. Uh I feel like, a really big battle for a lot of parents and a lot of people that isn't brought up a whole lot is food right so so within the confines of food for us i think that something that's kind of a hard a hard dynamic is that i'm a fitness guy i know what you know sugar and flour and certain foods can do and food dyes and stuff can do to our brains, our kids' brains, everything, right? But obviously it's really hard because those things are very available and we don't want to deprive them and all those different things. But uh, like for instance, I did something yesterday and John brought it to my attention and I'm interested to know what you think. So on a smaller scale, it's like our kids have this thing where they're sitting at the table and like they're just constantly like, yep, I'll take more of that and more of that and more of that. And we're trying to get them to the point where like, it's cool, here's what's on your plate, just eat it. But I'm talking about like condiments and stuff. It's like it's not enough, right? They want everything they eat to be sopped in condiments. And so ultimately what I said yesterday is I was like, hey, like I'm going to put X amount on your plate, right? And that's it. You don't need any more. But Jonna brought up a good point. She was like, well, we don't want to restrict them. Otherwise, it's going to become an obsession. So I well, don't know. like, Well,
1: because just for context, I feel like we've done that already is that we have – we are fairly controlling over what they eat as far as not – you know, we're not the parents that just all the time let them eat junk. Like we don't really have junk in our house. Um, they do, they had been at other people's houses and stuff, but I worried because of, um, I have struggled with eating disorders in the past and I've worried that we're doing something wrong because they are obsessed with eating anything they don't normally have or that we restrict at other people's houses and they overindulge. And I feel like I don't know. I feel like we have to find a balance. And I don't know if that's how much this fits in, but that's well that's a context. Is I'm worried that if we're too controlling, it becomes an obsession. But I'm worried if we don't have some kind of reins that they're not gonna
0: Yeah. For I guess you could take this in in the form of anything, right? Anything that we're restricting, like how does that impact our child. But then again, food, I feel like is a different thing because there's a chemical um, exchange on that, right? Where sugar is going to addict your brain and, you know, different things like that. So I don't know, hopefully that big question makes sense (laughs) to you in some way.
2: (laughs) I think it's going to be a constant conversation because as they get older, then you need to let loose a little more. And you're right about the control thing because then it becomes a control issue. And that comes with anything. Screen time is the other major one other than food, because how much do you do? How much do you not? And that's where really focusing on what your family values are coming together as a couple and decide this is our priorities. This is what we feel, pray about it and then be confident in what you feel is best for your family and and set those loving limits you can say i understand i totally get it um and try to compromise where you can try to strike that balance but don't compare yourself to another family that's where we fall into these traps of this should and what i should do and what i have to do and what is this and what is that you make the decision that you feel is best for your family go from there until you feel that it needs to change and then adjust as necessary, and that's the best you can do.
1: That's that's good. That's so important because I think we do fall into that. Well, if they're getting their kids to eat this way, well, they've got a whole different dynamic than us. But I mean, that is something I think we would fight for. Is that so? Do you feel like Chris? Chris used to make fun of me, not make fun of me. This is something we said butt heads about: is the idea of picking and choosing your battles. Um, is that kind of where you're going with that? Like you can't fight every battle with them. So like got to kind of let them choose things too. Do you know what I mean? Like
2: yeah, you, can you used to get really
1: mad at me when I'd say that.
2: You can fight every battle if you want to. Um, and then you're just going to, your kids are only going to remember that you're constantly picking on them and fighting battles. And the more often right. you can open up and give them some choice, have them come in on the conversation then again, it's like, this is what our family does. We're going to work together as a team. We're going to compromise. We're going to work together and figure this out until, unless you feel as an adult, you need to make some stronger choices and limit them too.
0: Right. Right. Well, so again, I'm not sure if this is out of your scope of practice. I'm just kind of looking for your, your thoughts on this. So, I personally feel like my only pushback to picking and choosing your own battles comes down to there there are tiered battles, right? So anything that is affecting their health that they have no control over, that their brain is craving, but, but is actually something that's going to impact their mental health, impacts, impact their 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 stress level, impact their body and how it functions and all those things moving forward and how they focus and how they learn and all that stuff. I personally, obviously being a fitness guy or whatever, it's very easy for me to for me to tier that very, very high. So so in your opinion as a gentle parenting coach, I'm sure food has come up, right? Mm-hmm. In your opinion as a gentle parenting coach, do you believe that that there there are tiered battles and like health and food and stuff uh, could be a really big one.
2: I totally see where you're coming from. And it reminds me a lot of Kim John Payne who wrote Simplicity Parenting. And he has it more like parenting is sort of like you're a governor, a gardener, and a guide. And depending on their age and also what they're showing you in their abilities um, that you do need to take on more of a stronger role in the parenting side of things so when they're really little of course they don't know any different. they don't know what's good for them they don't you know a right. baby. you can't just let them decide what they're going to eat and how late like a toddler you know what's best for right. them so then yes you need yep. to say this is what's best for you and this is what we're going to do in our family surrounding food and then When you're out and someone gives them a cookie, what, are you going to scream at them, slap it out of their hand, freak out? No, you give it sometimes because you're a reasonable adult, but in your family, maybe you don't buy that junk food. But then as they get older, you can't do the same thing with a teenager. Then that's just like, oh my gosh, you're out of control helicopter parent by then. So then you're moving more into the Mm -hmm. guide and and helping them make their own choices. Explain to them what you feel is... Best why you feel it you should do something a certain way show them the videos show them the science We've watched those videos on on YouTube about why sugar isn't great for us And then said, you know, this is what I noticed in our family. What can we do? What can we come up with because my boys are now 12 and 10? We have to have those conversations around screen time around food and be realistic because I can't be as in charge as I am with my youngest because he doesn't have that ability to reason. So it's a bit of both.
0: Sure. That is so practical and so good and such a good answer, seriously. And what's interesting about what you said is you said, if we are nitpicking at everything, we become a helicopter parent. And I think this kind of perfectly tees up a a really pressing question that Jonas has had surrounding surrounding joyful parenting because it's almost like if we are nitpicking every little thing and we just feel like we have so many things to to address within our kids and obedience and all those things that we do lose our joy so i'm going to have you ask that question babe
1: yeah so i kind of talked about joy in the beginning a little bit but yes as a stay-at-home mom and a homeschool mom of four little people being with them all day long some days i feel like all i'm doing is disciplining and trying to do that. Uh, Yes, sorry. Sometimes all all day long, I feel like all I'm doing is disciplining. And I feel like sometimes lately, especially my joy has been stolen between the stress of life right now and the just constant battles that I feel like I have to fight. Um, I just how do we reclaim that joy in the midst of chaotic little people, um, dare dare I say, pandemic, and just all the stuff going on in the world right now?
2: I hear you, and I you you are it's 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 true, it's real because we do get caught up in these little details and and the just this stress of life, and that's when we need to take a step back and realize that there's a bigger picture. What is, why am I doing this? Why am I nitpicking so much? Is it really that important? And what do I want my, out of this relationship? What do I want my kids to remember? And joy is a choice. It's one of those things where it's not like happiness that comes and goes depending on our situation. You can choose to look at the blessings in your life in any situation. And you can choose to enjoy the moment or you can choose to be stressed out over the pile of laundry. You can let that, you gotta let it go and pick what your main goal is for the day. And so if you're always worried about catching them every time they do something wrong and making sure they're doing this and making sure, and it's like this long laundry list of, of all the little things, It that reminds me of like the Pharisees in the Bible, and they had like this this list of all these millions of rules. And it's like, that's not the point. The point is love one another. So just enjoy being together. Sure, they might have done something wrong, and you don't want to let it go every time. But right now, in this moment, what am I going to choose? And choose connection, choose love, and Choose to enjoy yourself because everything you are doing, you are modeling for them how to be a healthy adult. And if you are always stressed out and picking on everything and depleted and not caring for yourself, well, you're going to bring all that baggage to the relationship and, and it's just going to be miserable. And you're also showing them that that's what it's like to be a mom or a dad. So so have some fun. Jump in a mud puddle. That's why I named my, my business that. Um, yeah. And just do some fun things for yourself. Say, okay, forget it. We're going to have a dance party, you know, and just shake it up and care for yourself in those moments.
0: Here comes a dance party again, babe. I tell you what, they always they always hit us with the dance it party. It always comes back to dance, Chris. <laughs> so, so Megan, I'm curious, and I love that answer. I'm curious what you do to prepare yourself for a joyful attitude each morning
2: i get into my bible because i realize that i cannot do this alone i realized that a long time ago when i was at my worst and all the parenting courses i was taking trying to fix everything was like use your inner strength you can do this and i'm like i can't that's why i'm here i'm on empty And so I need to be filled with the Holy spirit every day in order to get going and then set my priorities straight for the day, figure out what are the main things I have to do. Okay. So today's podcast was on it. Um, but the other stuff is, is fluff. It's nice. So we might not get to all the little crafts I had planned on Pinterest, but that's okay. So I have my key anchor points for the day. I've got my mindset write for the day, maybe even some little reminders. I've got posters up and you got to build into yourself and then take another break halfway through the day when you're exhausted and do it all over again.
1: I was just going to say, I do some of the same things in the morning and I feel like halfway through, I'm like, oh, I can't do this anymore.
2: That's fine. Yeah, that's so so good.
0: (laughs) right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I love that you said that. I really love that you said that because, because truthfully, we agree with you. It's like, it's almost like there's this really dark side to self-help. On top of just the constant consumption and doing nothing with it because we're over-consuming, there's also the fact that we think we're finding these answers within ourselves, and it's the end-all, be-all. And truthfully, the conclusion we've come to time and time again with tons of years of self-improvement and courses and spending money on coaches and all these different things, which, which is super helpful. But ultimately, you're right. It is. It is. Is having a solid, foundational relationship with your Creator. It is. It is spending time with Him and and actually creating a relationship with Him. I'm gonna put you on the spot again. Do you do you have any uh, any particular any particular passages or 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 even books of the Bible that you feel like directly hits parenting?
2: Yes, the fruits of the spirit is like my go-to because that's who I want to be. I want to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, that's like that whole section there around it is like your little pep talk for parenting every time. So Galatians and Ephesians seem to be like where I always end up.
0: Nice. Nice. I like that. I like that. Okay. Oh, did I thought you had a question? No, you're good. Gosh, th- this has been this has been really really great. Do you do you have any other any other questions for Megan before I ask the all time important question?
1: Well, I mean, it's loaded, but I just I kind of want you to to sell gentle parenting to the person who's like, okay, I hear this. So, are you telling me like what is it not? So it's not spanking. Are you saying no timeouts, no discipline? What what is it? not or what is it do you know does that make sense (laughs)
2: yes it totally makes sense in my mind gentle parenting is respectful treating others the way you would want to be treated working on the relationship and connection and and working towards problem solving and working together as much as possible knowing that you are the guide you are in charge but you aren't always power over and telling them what to do all the time it if at all possible and it's harder some days than others to wrap my head around this but it isn't the pan the punishment because love drives out all fear and fear gives way to punishment and so it isn't about punishing your kids when they're doing wrong you can have consequences natural ones happen but that's more of like, we agreed on this, and you didn't keep to your agreement, or the next activity happens when the first one is finished, so then those aren't punishments, those are just natural ways of, that's what's going to happen in life, but you're not purposely going out of your way to make it, look, we always think you have to make things worse for a kid, make a kid feel blamed, and shamed, and terrible, and they're magically going to do good, that's, it's like warped, but that's the way traditional parenting is. You want to build up another person, encourage them, help them to feel better, help them to know better, give them the practical tools, teach them how to deal and cope better. And then they'll do better. So you're really focusing with the end. I wish,
1: of the I, mind. I, wish I would have been taught this five years ago because that is, Brings me to something I saw the other day that not the other day, but recently that really convicted me because it was like, you know, do you do better if you do something wrong? Do you suddenly do better and thrive if somebody yells at you and goes and tells you to isolate yourself? And that really hit me because I just thought timeout was a better better alternative to spanking because i have even though i was spanked like i've felt conviction over spanking and i'm sure we'll get somebody who pushes back on that but but i have and but we're still not sold on but, that
0: as a collective yeah unit, we are
1: yeah well this is why you listen to the gentle parent coach
0: <laughs> right. but the timeout
1: thing some it just it made sense to me were like hey do you learn your lesson when you just go get put on isolation rather than working through what maybe you did wrong, same with, you know, prison, a lot of those guys and gals don't do better just because they were isolated. They do better because they were rehabilitated and that really convicted me.
0: Well, so let, let me ask about the spanking things. Obviously you're the expert here. So you, you say what, what you think, but I believe that, from a practical perspective, and many of the things you've you've shared with us today has been very practical and very helpful. From a practical perspective, let's let's take the prisoner for example, right? So, if someone robs a bank and you put them on house arrest for ninety days or whatever, right? Like, I don't know, they might rob a bank again, right? But if you put them in jail where they don't want to be and they're isolated and they're away, uh, it creates there's a synapsis that's created in their brain like oh boy I'm not going to do that again. So that no, may be a, a bad of, a
1: lot of prisoners reoffend if they're not re- But the
0: reoffense also comes from conditioning and right. how how they grew up and stuff like that. But my question is so so for me the bottom line is this whether it's the right strategy or not the kids listen to me 10 times more than they listen to Jana and yeah probably and the reason for that I believe is is because of the The consequences. Fear. Fear. Maybe it's fear, Fear. but I don't hurt them, right? I don't hurt them. I'm just I'm just a more dominant human, I guess, to them.
1: Exactly. You're gonna listen back to this and you're gonna hear what you're saying. You're like, Oh
0: crap, I didn't listen. Well right. And let's let her well. I get that. But I guess my my question to you is for someone like me who, who honestly wouldn't have had this conversation five years ago, I'd have been like, oh, that's snowflake parenting. I just would have labeled it truthfully. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I know someone's got to be thinking it. So that's why I'm bringing it up. But for someone like me, even when it comes to like spanking and stuff, it's like, well, doesn't there have to be a pretty harsh offense? Um, so they're like, oh, shoot, not going to do that again.
2: I love that you're asking these hard questions because everyone glosses over it and no one actually is willing to talk about it. So yes, it does work. Yes, that is true. They like, "Oh, I didn't like that." So that but we're not talking about dogs. We're talking about people. And Fair. so they so I'm going to ask you and and don't take this too hard. In with the kids, who do they have more meltdowns with and who do they go to when they have more problems are they opening up to you more or are they opening up to mom more because they might do what you ask but then they might right. have meltdown with mom because she's their safe place and she's the one that Ooh, they crazy. might feel that they can open up to more and and then as they're teenagers well dad's i'm gonna get in trouble with dad so i'm not gonna tell him that i did something mm-hmm. wrong and so you yes it works for the short term but the punishments aren't crea- and they're not working on the long-term relationship would you go if you got in trouble when you were a teenager would you go to the person who's gonna you're gonna get in trouble and punished with you're gonna keep that to yourself you're gonna go to That's your friends you're gonna go somewhere else and you're not gonna be I- as open so That's sort of how spanking isn't really
0: all that helpful. No, that's super good. I wanna be really clear. We have not like planned and spanked our kids. Oh no, I get what you
2: mean. Throwing it out there. Due
0: due to Yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like personally the times I felt like a spanking was was warranted was like if they're about to run into the street it's like whoa i want to create an association with that that like you know like holy crap wow oh my gosh never do that um so for me i think it's more like super extreme safety things like super crazy like don't touch the stove while it's on hot so yeah like but that. not
1: just spanking but even i think yelling and fear-based parenting yeah. i'm thinking is what you're saying right Right, yeah, because okay. it is true. Your
2: parenting doesn't lead to anywhere. The, the shocking try to keep them safe thing, just your expression, if you don't overdo it all the time on commands and shouting, then they know that that was important. Even just the look on your face, if that's not the face you give them all the time, that's enough to let mm-hmm. them know that, wow, that was important. So you got to really kind of watch your tone that you're not using those yeah. commands and using that yelling as a regular thing. Cause then they tune you out and you have to go even more extreme for them to know that it was important. But if you are generally calm and you're like, Oh, oh my gosh, then they're like, Oh my gosh, that must've been important because it was important to you.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's really, really good. And it definitely offers me a different perspective and I, I definitely appreciate that. Uh, my my question would be, like when are we towing the line between gentle parenting and like, push oops, over our parenting. kids are gonna be snowflakes? Don't I always say snowflakes, it's, it's just, it's just like, something I always say. I don't know why.
2: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. a that's a hard line, and you're gonna find that you're gonna. It's a wavy line. Sometimes it's not a straight. Okay, you did this, and you didn't do this this time because it depends on every single situation comes up differently. Okay, well I said they couldn't have screens yesterday during this time, but today is a slightly different. So it's having that right mindset a lot of the time and realizing that you need to have boundaries as a parent too. And that's where being a pushover comes over is when you're always saying yes and you feel like you have to do things because you don't want to damage them and you don't want to say no and you want to be nice to them all the time. And that's not healthy either. So you have to come up and say, okay, I have empathy, but we still need to have some boundaries and some rules.
1: Like I think that comes back to what you said earlier with as a family and as parents, we come together and pick what our goals are for our family and for our culture and what we want. I feel like if it aligns with that, like you... Me catch my words here. If we are on the same page as parents on what we ultimately want our family dynamic to be and what are like the most important things for our children to know and understand, then maybe that makes the finding that balance a little bit easier where, where you draw the line, does that?
2: Yes, and that's the one of the first <laughs> things we do in my group coaching is we spend a day on that. What are your long-term goals? what are the life skills and characteristics that you want for your family when they leave your home what what's your end goal in mind and everything else filters through that your your discipline how you spend your time what you're going to be doing with your day all filters in with your your end goal in mind
1: isn't it funny? That's something that I feel like that's one of parenting is one of the most important things we can do because we're literally raising up the next generation, but there's nothing out there until now, like parenting coaches and things are coming out. You know, what to expect when expecting did not tell me how to handle all these different circumstances. You know, there's not enough. I feel like people just assume we're just supposed to do what our parents did and then that's it hope it works right yeah <laughs> yeah
0: it's true it's true um you know, i can tell you're a really good coach uh because i can the reason for that is you're a great listener and you give super practical advice uh i think i think so often people will just give kind of the like service level advice and things like that but but i just I've, I've really appreciated this conversation, and I know Jonna has too, because you've opened our eyes a lot to things we're doing. And like I said in the beginning, when I said I was going to steal some gentle parenting coach from you, I think, I think we were successful in doing that. So at this point, uh, gosh, I know our listeners are probably wondering where they can find out more about you.
2: I am all over social media, um, and I have a website, and it's all Joyful Mud Puddles. And so I'm on Facebook and Instagram at joyful mud puddles and then it's joyfulmudpuddles.com. And I have a blog yes, podcast I'm... coaching and I'm working on writing some books that'll probably now happen in the oh, new year. Slow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing though. We'll be sure to link all of that in the show notes so our, our people can find you. And I just want to let you know to echo what Chris just said You also helped get rid of a limiting belief for me just in this episode when you just talked about how the kids, how I'm their safe space, how I'm their safe space um, and they go to me when they're upset um, because when they don't obey, it's easy for me to just think I'm failing as a parent. So um, that kind of turned that around for me.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I absolutely agree. That's really cool. That's really good stuff. Uh, My last question to you as we end this episode is, is there anything that we did not cover that you would want to make sure we cover here right now before we say goodbye?
2: Oh, well, see, parenting is such a huge topic. I could go on for hours. um, But the thing I like to remind people is to choose connection over correction and always focus on that relationship first and foremost um, because that's that's the key is focusing on your connection awesome. and also remember that you are not alone because just in our conversation, we're laughing and we're like, oh my gosh, that's the same as my house. So don't feel that you're alone, reach out, join a community, um, because we aren't meant to be parenting alone. And it just so happens that we're yeah. kind of stuck all being separated right now, but Right, right. There's
0: others yeah. who are going through the same thing as you. I'm just, Amen. <laughs> Amen, right? Yeah. Gosh, well, great stuff today, Megan. We really appreciate you being on the show, and we'll be sure to, uh, to link everything for people to find out more about you. Thank you so much for being on the show.
2: Thank you. It was a pleasure.
1: Thanks so much for listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. If this episode brought you value, go ahead and share it with somebody else. It is the best compliment you can give to us and to our guest, Megan. And for those of you who have bought us coffees at buymeacoffee.com slash GYGYM, thank you so much. Um, It helps us to stay caffeinated for these shows and uh, also it does help with production. Thanks, guys.